This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Uh, before we dive into this Odds and Audibles podcast, we're going to have Jason Shear on of Wildcat Authority. Uh, he covers the Wildcat football program like no one else out there. Uh, great insider for that program. So he'll get you ready to go for this football game uh, this weekend. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind you, uh, if you are not a VIP subscriber, now is the perfect time to do it. We've got a couple options for you to get in the door at an extremely cheap price. Uh, uh, you could do a seven-day free trial uh, with an annual subscription. Uh, and then if you do subscribe, uh, it comes out to $6.26 a month. Uh, it's billed one time at $75.18. Or you could go the monthly route and you can get your first month for as low as just $1. And then thereafter, thereafter that, it's $9.95 per month. So save quite a bit of change of by going with the annual subscription. Uh, you get in at a much cheaper rate. If you go monthly because you only pay that $1 for that first month, you get inside scoop on the Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. You get access to guys like Eric, myself, Kevin Wade, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, C. Wilt Fong. The list goes on and on. Uh, exclusive recruiting coverage. And also, now you also get commercial-free CBS all-access streaming uh, subscription included with that, uh, meaning you get 10,000-plus shows. From CBS, you get movies, you get live TV, you get sports, all of it commercial-free uh, with your subscription to us. Uh, it's a hot new streaming service that's out there. I uh, highly encourage you guys to dive in and try that out. Uh, Eric, Arizona week. Um, you and I have been kind of busy because there was a bye week, lots of basketball games to get to. Uh, we've gone, though, now. We've shifted over to... You know, full bass. You know, full football mode. Uh, there's been two media availabilities with the offense, one with the defense. Mario Cristobal has spoken now twice this week. Football is back in in the forefront, uh, and it's an exciting time because we're down the home stretch where Oregon's playing for a college football playoff. And I think the thing that stands out, not even what is said so much as just the change in who's attending media yes. this week. You know, we, we should note that most of the time. These media events, there's maybe eight, ten people there. It's the local TV affiliates. It's us. It's the Register Guard, the Oregonian. Uh, you know, rivals will send somebody over every now and then. The student newspaper, maybe student radio station. But uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, there were representatives from ESPN there, and uh, that to me sort of signals kind of the significance of what is going on with Oregon right now. There is national attention. There's national interest. Um, there are people at these events that typically aren't there because there are people that want to know more about this program and this team and why they're so good, why the defense is playing at such a high level. I know most of the questions today were, were well, obviously today was, you know, the Wednesday practice. They, they were defensive players available. So a lot of the questions were about this improving defense. But uh, it is a little bit of a different feel this week in terms of, you know, we're used to having a, a pretty 
don't want to say a limited number, but people that we're familiar with seeing, there's been a, some, you know, a handful of, you know, new faces at these events. And I think that signals, again, just that this program is, is doing something special right now that there is, once again, like you were familiar with back in the early 2010s and up to 2014's run, a, an influx of interest nationally. And you're seeing that on a day-to-day basis. And it, it kind of gets you a little bit more excited almost just of there feels like there's kind of more riding on these games because there are people here that you see on TV uh, all the time if you're watching ESPN or if you're watching ABC. Yep. Um, and, and that has certainly been a bit of a change. And, uh, you know, selfishly for us, it's, it's sort of changed our access. I don't want to go too deep into that. But having these ESPN people here, they, they kind of have dominated the conversations and stuff. And, uh, and But it is cool just to have that sort of change in, in terms of the, the clearly that Oregon is, is, a, is a brand right now that is hot. There are people that want to know about this program and its team. Uh, we're going to have Jason Shear on to, to give us this look at this Arizona Wildcat football program. Eric and I have got some good questions for him. But real quick, this is a team in which they have lost four straight games coming into Saturday night's football game, a 7.30 kick at Autzen Stadium. Game's going to be broadcast on ESPN. Dave Pash, Greg McElroy uh, will be on the call. Tom Luganbill will be on the sideline. Um, Arizona lost... Uh, this this streak started with a home loss to Washington, fifty-one to twenty-seven. They went to USC and were blown out, forty-one to fourteen. And then another road loss uh, at Stanford when they were much more competitive, but they still lost by ten points, forty-one to thirty-one. And then uh, probably a, a backbreaker for this program was a home loss to Oregon State in which they were blown out, fifty-six to thirty-eight. Um, Really interesting to see where this team is at because they are four and five. They they did start the year with a loss, uh, 45-38 at Hawaii, but then they responded with with four straight wins. And you know, going into the middle of of October, they were four and one, uh, in, in conference play. They they were uh, they were two and one or excuse me, two and zero oh in, in conference play. And there was a lot of optimism that this team could maybe get to a bowl game, could maybe get to uh, compete for a Pac-12 South championship. And they've kind of crumbled uh, the last four weeks. And really interested to see just why that has happened. What what has transpired? They've had a defensive coordinator change. Uh, where is this program at? Because they've nosedived pretty pretty quickly here. I mean, I remember when back on October 5th, they beat Colorado at Colorado and they were now 2-0 and in the Pac-12, but more importantly, 2-0 and against the Pac-12 South. And I think we were talking at that point about how like, wow, Arizona, who I think we kind of both written off. I knew I, I was sort of high on the fact that they have J.J. Taylor, who was a, a really good running back. They had Khalil Tate, they have Collins School or some kind of household names, but I don't think either of us really expected them to be that competitive uh, in the Pac-12 South, but after those first two weeks, I remember we were having conversations of like, wow, like maybe Arizona's really going to factor into this. I don't think we saw that coming. And we were, we were impressed. And, and, and the, just kind of the fact that they'd beaten a couple of the teams that Colorado at that point had also looked pretty good. I think they'd right. just beaten Arizona State. So there was, there was a sense of like, wow, maybe Arizona's going to, maybe they're going to make some noise this year. And yeah, you're right. Since then, they've just kind of gotten beaten up. And I'm curious to see from Jason's perspective, kind of what, what, where does that stem from? defensively the numbers are absolutely atrocious basically throughout the season but especially in this losing streak 51 to washington 41 to usc 41 to stanford and then you you said it that that oregon state game has to be a backbreaker because look as as maybe as i don't want to say as average as the expectations were coming into the season or as kind of minimal as they were for arizona going in that home game with oregon state on november 2nd like i'm sure arizona fans looked at that and said 
that's going to be a win. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that, there's no way we're going to lose that game because Oregon State coming into the season wasn't supposed to be very good, but to lose by 18 points and give up 56 points against Oregon State, you're right. That's a backbreaker. That that kind of a, diminishes any momentum you might have had because you could have looked at that three-game losing streak and gone, okay, Washington, that's going to be really hard. We know they're better. At USC and at Stanford, okay, those are two of the premier teams in this in this conference. Like, we, we, those are going to be tough games. Like, it's, like the road games, it's hard to play those teams on the road. Like, uh, okay, like that, there's a, that makes sense. But that Oregon State game is it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. And I think they are also coming off a of bye week, so some time for them to kind of reflect on it. I'll, I'll be kind of curious to see what Jason's thoughts are on kind of the trajectory of this season, especially now with we should mention. They go to Oregon, they host Utah, they go to Arizona State. There's a pretty decent chance that they close this Pac-12 Don't go to slate. a bowl game. Yeah, they lose seven straight to, to end Pac-12 play, and that would be uh, pretty devastating. And you're right, if that takes place, they're not going to a bowl game after starting 4-1. and one. This is going to be a revenge factor for Oregon. Uh, the last time these two teams met was back uh, October 27th, 2018 in Tucson, in which Oregon, it was... Uh, just a game in which the, the only game that season where Oregon just wasn't competitive. They were blown out from the start, 44th, 15. Uh, they they trailed by a lot for, for the most of that game. And really, in the last 12 games, Oregon is 11. It's winners of 11 of their last 12. And the only game they haven't won during that stretch of 12 games from this year to last is the Arizona one. And so there's obviously going to be some interest from Oregon's players of, Riding the ship, if you will, going into this football game. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have some. I think we're both going to have some content this week in the coming days, depending on when you're listening. It'll probably be already be published. Just regarding what that game meant for this program, what took place in Tucson, because um, you're right. It was a. It was kind of like we were just saying with Arizona hosting Oregon State and losing Oregon going to Arizona and losing the way they did. Equally was sort of surprising and perplexing at the time. I think we, we thought maybe it was possible to lose at Arizona. We know they've got some talent. It's a hard place to play. But losing in the manner that they did was was really sort of stunning and really and, uh, very disappointing. And I think that's the word we heard from Shane Lemieux. We heard from Mario Cristobal. We heard from other Jordan players. Scott said the same thing. Jordan Scott today, uh, Matt spoke with him, said the same thing. Like, that was not a game. Like, okay, you could lose that game, but to lose in the manner they did was, was really disappointing. So... There, I, I do think there will be certainly a revenge factor um, for this team. And I think beating Arizona, especially with, with so much that's riding on it, would be very gratifying for this program. And I'm sure they want to do it. I'm sure they want to kind of hand back another payback win and, and win, you know, in an impressive fashion. So, uh, like, a lot going on in this one and, and certainly a game that, look, I know we're all looking at the college football playoff. We're all looking at the Pac-12 championship game. Um, Oregon that the players have all said the right things this week. They're trying to be one to know each day. And that includes Saturday um, at seven 30 dots. And uh, when they play Arizona, interesting stat going into this football game, Arizona has beaten Oregon each of the past three matchups where the wildcats enter unranked and the ducks enter the game ranked. Uh, the cats top number 19, Oregon 44, 15 last year, four years after knocking off when Oregon was second ranked team. Uh, in 2014, 31-24, that game was in Eugene. And then uh, an unranked Arizona team also beat a number five-ranked Oregon football team, 42-16 to in Tucson in 2013. So certainly some interesting history on the side of Arizona going into this football game when they are the underdog, when they are perceived as the overall underdog in, in this game between these two programs. 
from an, a series history standpoint, Oregon leads 26-17 all time. Uh, Oregon at home against Arizona, uh, they lead this one 45, uh, 14-5 uh, all time. And then the last road win for Arizona in Odson, like I said earlier, 31-24 victory, uh, 2014, a game in which uh, was an early season loss. I think Oregon was, you know, it was a devastating game for them. Uh, it, it was, a, I think, a, one of the years they wore those pink uniforms to bring awareness to breast cancer and other cancers uh, out there. And it was a game in which Oregon was kind of shell-shocked by that one. And Oregon's going to be kind of, you know, a, a lot of similar storylines, uh, I think, going yeah. into this game uh, as some, some of these previous upsets that Arizona has had. So, uh, when we take a quick break, we'll come back. We'll bring on Jason Shear of the Wildcat Authority uh, to get you ready to go for this football game. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Uh, let's now welcome in Jason Shear of WildcatAuthority.com, uh, insider, the guy that knows this Arizona football program better than anyone out there. Jason, how's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. A lot to discuss with this football game. I, I think there's um, a lot of intrigue from an Oregon perspective of the college football playoff, uh, the Khalil Tate stuff, the quarterback battles, uh, Kevin Sumlin, just where Arizona stands overall. Uh, Kevin Sumlin was hired, you know, last year, and they went five and seven, finished third in the South. This year, they, you know, they started the year four and one, but now they've lost four straight games. They've fired a defensive coordinator. Just what's the just overall vibe right now? You you feel like of this Arizona team? Is there optimism? Is there just waiting till the season gets over? What's just the the scope of this program going into this football game right now? Yeah, I think the overall vibe is kind of let's let's get to the end of the season. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's been kind of a mess. Um, you know, it uh, it's a type of situation where people had higher hopes, at least higher than last season. Um, and, and it started off nicely. The the loss to Hawaii was was pretty bad. People thought they would. I mean, really, Arizona could be five and no to start the season. Um, and then it kind of just got ugly. I mean, the defense wasn't doing well at all. Um, fired Marcel Yates. It hasn't improved since then. It actually uh, has looked worse. Um, there's, you know, some word of, of guys kind of not getting along and things like that. And uh, I think everyone kind of is just looking forward to the ASU game because it's you never know because it's a rivalry game. And then uh, let's end the season and see who Kevin Sumlin hires as defensive coordinator. Is there any heat on Kevin Sumlin right now? Like I, it's I, I feel it's so unfair to ask, but 
because he's only in his second year. But is there even pressure on him right now, or is it just he's still got time to you know get his house in order and figure things out from there? No, I think there's a lot of pressure. I mean, Arizona fans uh, a lot of times with football have kind of unrealistic expectations, and I think that part of the thing that hurt Kevin Sumlin is when he came in. I mean, he came in the year after it was Khalil Tate Heisman contender, and now it's Khalil Tate. Uh, we don't even know if he's going to start against Oregon, and uh, a lot of that blame has been uh, put on Noel Mazzoni. Some of it's on Khalil, obviously, but a lot of people have looked to Sumlin and Mazzoni as uh, as kind of being to blame for that, and. Um, there hasn't been any improvement, and I think the biggest thing is um, the recruiting just isn't there right now. And I think that if there were things to point to as the program trending up, I think people would be more okay with Sumlin. Uh, but the reality is that besides uh, a couple things on offense with Grant Cannell at quarterback and, and maybe some younger receivers, um, there just isn't a lot to point to as as reasons for being optimistic. And uh, I think financially people understand giving someone another year or two, um, but in terms of results, they're just not there right now. Yeah, I, I wonder, Jason, Matt and I were talking about this on our intro here. Just of, You can understand the loss to Washington at USC and Stanford. Those are kind of, you don't, obviously you don't want to lose those games, but they make sense in terms of just what those programs represent in the conference. But I, I assume the Oregon State game was the one that really felt that, that really hurt. What was kind of the response in the days following that game and, and kind of how, how has the team been, I guess, since, since that? I know they had a bye week, but what's kind of been the, the mood down there? I mean, I assume that's just a game that was pretty devastating. Yeah, that was a devastating game. I mean, it was it was homecoming. They brought back the Desert Swarm jerseys. It was the, the first game that Chuck Cecil was the defensive coordinator for, and then they go and they let up 56 points on their home field to Oregon <laughs> State. And uh, it, it's kind of... Uh, it, it was kind of a sign of, of, you know, maybe I don't want to say Oregon State passing Arizona because it's it's only one game. But I think people kind of looked at the game and go, you know, well, crap, this is where we are as a program, because usually there's like a jump when you fire a defense coordinator, at least for one game. And uh, it was the opposite. I mean, it looked like at times where the defense was almost purposely not trying as hard as kind of a message. Almost they were being accused of kind of sending a message because um, even though they struggled, they really liked Marcel Yates and. Um, I, I heard that the week after that game uh, during the bye week was was not fun for anyone. Uh, Kevin Sumlin really cracked down and and basically brought in certain guys to his office and said, you got to decide either you're going to be on this team and give it your all or, or you're off this team next season. And um, it, it seems like the guys responded well. I know they had a, a good practice on Thursday and a, a good practice yesterday. Um, I don't know how it'll translate to games, but it seems that everything at least is kind of fixed. But you never know. I mean, if Arizona gets down early against Oregon, um, it could all fall apart again. And I guess just just in terms of the the DC change in general, like was that a move that was well received in Tucson? Was that something? I mean, obviously the defense was not playing well, but was that what was kind of the perspective on Marcel Yates in, in general before, and and was the resistance to that decision? Yeah, I think people were the only resistance was I think a lot of people wondered what took so long because <laughs> you're uh, you're giving a guy like Chuck Cecil who is an absolute legend um, at Arizona and you're basically giving him four games um, to turn around a defense that you can't turn around in four games. I mean, there's just no way. And so some people thought that he's being railroaded a little bit or, or put in an impossible situation so Arizona could move on from him, but. Um, there were people that wanted to get rid of Marcel after the Hawaii game, the season opener, when Hawaii put up like 600 yards of offense. And uh, it, it, it's just the the type of situation where 
Um, it, it was a matter of time. I mean, there was just no defensive improvement. The defense was getting worse, and uh, it, it kind of had to happen. It didn't matter if it was now or at the end of the season. There was just no way that Marcel Yates was coming back next season. His his contract ended or ends in January, so he was pretty much a, a dead man walking in that regard. So I think people were kind of excited to see what Chuck Cecil could do. What's been just the the is there one common theme that that the defense is struggling with is it talent is it injuries is what what's just been the issue defensively this year i mean colin schooler is maybe one of the best players in the in the league uh probably one of the better linebackers in the country and, and you would think if you've got that kind of a guy in the middle your your defense would at least be kind of respectable but it doesn't sound like that's the case what's just been the issue uh, the pass rush is just non-existent. I think they have seven sacks the entire season, wow. and two of them came against Oregon State. So they went into that game with like five sacks, and they don't even get close. I mean, the the pass rush is just non-existent. Uh, I think it's a mixture of scheme and coaching and, and then just overall personnel. I mean, Kevin Sumlin wasn't left with a lot defensively um, from Rich Rodriguez, and in the last few few uh, few weeks, they've really offered a ton of Juco guys because I think they've realized that the guys on the roster right now, while they may be good in the future, they're they're not the quick fix. Uh, but there's just no pass rush, and it, like it's hard to judge the secondary. I think Arizona's corners are fine. The problem is the corners can only cover for so long, and so if they're being asked to cover a guy for five seconds, naturally they're eventually going to get beat in coverage. And so to me, it all comes down to the pass rush and the fact that uh, Arizona just has none. I mean, Herbert's going to have all day to throw unless uh, Arizona gets creative on defense and, and tries to blitz from different angles. You know, you know, the quarterback situation is interesting, I think. for, I mean, I don't think it's normal that you are this far into a season and there's not a definitive starter when both guys are, are relatively healthy. Uh, what's kind of been the vibe down there? Does the, the Arizona fan base have a preference between Khalil Tate and Grant Gunnell? Or, or is there one they like better? Or, or are they kind of just, at this point, kind of apathetic to the whole thing? I think the only reason why Grant Gunnell isn't the clear starter is because someone doesn't – I think he almost feels bad about giving up on Khalil because yeah. um, Khalil, at the end, he's got a lot of talent. It's just not clicking right now, and and it's his last year, and Arizona's not very good, and it's like I don't want to just kind of throw it away. But Grant Gunnell is the better quarterback. I mean the offense moves better when he's in there. Um, it's it's difficult to block for Khalil because as soon as he gets the ball, he's looking to, to get out of the pocket and either get to the sidelines and throw or or try to run. And, and Grant will stay in that pocket until the last possible second. And uh, he he is a much better fit for this Mazzoni offense. I mean, if this was Rich Rodriguez offense, um, Khalil Tate would clearly be better than Grant Goodell, but it, it's not. And so I think that fans are ready to see Grant Goodell. I, I think there's a very good chance based of what we've heard lately that Goodell will be the starter this Saturday. And and I think that most people are kind of ready to, to hand over the reins and uh, build to the future and, and get them reps. I mean, they're, they're not redshirting Grant Goodell and the offense doesn't look better, but um, the only game he started was was UCLA and Arizona won that game and, and the offense was solid and it's kind of a, all right, let, let's see what he can do starting an entire game, no matter who it's against and at least give him that opportunity. Oregon fans are obviously pretty familiar with Tate having faced in the last couple of years. I, I asked Oregon safety Verone McKinley today about Gunnell because they played in Texas together and he compared him to Ben Roethlisberger. Does that feel like a fair comparison or how would you describe what he does? 
Yeah, that's not. I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, he he's got uh, his arm strength is probably his the biggest criticism on him. It's not bad. It's just it's not as strong as others probably, but really smart guy. I mean, knows when to to put the throw in there and knows when to go to the check down guy. Um, really doesn't make many bad throws. His, his lone interception this year, well, a lot of it was because he was absolutely hammered when he threw the ball. Um, knows when to take a sack. He's more mobile than people think. Um, he, he's just, I think that's a fair comparison. Uh, he, he just seems to have, it's crazy because Khalil's been in the offense, but um, it just seems that Grant already has a better understanding uh, of this offense and knows what Mazzoni wants to do. And I mean, I don't know how he'll fare on Saturday. That's a rough assignment for him. Uh, but I think that he's a, he has a bright future and I know the coaching staff is really high on him. It sounds like you're, you're expecting Gunnell to be the starter. I'm just curious. You mentioned earlier you know, when when someone arrived, that was coming off of the Khalil Tate Heisman campaign um, when he was a sophomore. And I I will admit, you know, I, I've seen I've seen a couple Arizona games. I've watched two in in their entirety this season, but I've not, you know, I haven't seen every single snap of Arizona's offense this season. But I walk away from just an outsider's perspective thinking. They're trying to make Khalil Tate into this pro-style quarterback when he's at his best, when he's running kind of a spread option and, you know, quick decisions and, you know, running the football. How did we get here? Like, that's what just makes me wonder. Like, watching Tate as a sophomore, it's like he's going to be one of the best players in football for the next two years. And now as a senior, he may not finish the year because he's struggling. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what happened is Mazzoni basically came to Arizona and said, um, Khalil Tate wants to run, so be it. But, I mean, with Richrod, he was, it was almost like he was a running back playing quarterback. And I think that Mazzoni came and said, you're going to be a quarterback that runs occasionally. And it just didn't work out. I mean, they, they both admit that they clashed heads at first, and it took a while. It actually wound up happening this season where they basically told him, hey, you, you got to run. You know, don't forget what we've said about passing, but, you know, you have the talent run and he did against Texas Tech. He ran for over 100 yards and everything looked like it was going to be better. And then um, at some point he just stopped running again. He just doesn't run as much. He doesn't want to get hit. Uh, He took a lot of hits under that Rich Rodriguez offense. And uh, it's it almost felt like someone said to him, hey, if you want to make it to the next level as a quarterback, you need to prove you can throw. And, And so, like, he basically kind of ignored running. And, uh, you know, I, I think they would like to see him run, maybe not all the time, but it feels like they haven't been able to to get that balance where he's running and passing and, and Mazzoni wants him to pass more. He wants to run more, et cetera. So what you see instead is a quarterback that isn't necessarily confident in what he's doing when he does run and he's not a good enough passer to succeed that way. And, and so he just hasn't come close to being uh, the, reaching the full potential that he probably has as a quarterback. I, I go back to last season and Oregon was absolutely destroyed. It was the one game in which all year they were not competitive um, in that football game. I'm curious, what's Arizona's confidence level right now on their side of this football game, knowing that for the most part, this Oregon team is the same players. Um, and the last time they, they played, it was not close. Um What's the confidence level Arizona has in this game going on the road and winning? And I guess just what would be the the deciding factor in your eyes for each team to win this game? It's hard to to tell the confidence. I mean, I I don't think the team has a lot of confidence right now, but 
Um, you know, we talked to Tristan Cooper, who I know Oregon fans are are familiar with for delivering the hit last uh, last time they played. But um, he basically said that he knows Oregon's going to be pissed. I, I mean, they're, they they know what happened last year. It's the same guys. They know what they're in for, and um, they want to play the role of spoiler. It'd be cool, but um, every single guy probably praised Oregon more than they have any opponent this season. Um, they were just openly saying, you know, Justin Herbert is really good, and usually they'll say something like, oh, he's good, but everybody else is good, and there wasn't that. I mean, this is, hey, this Oregon team is really good. That secondary is really good. They forced a lot of turnovers. Um, it, it's just, I think it's the type of situation where, especially on defense, I mean, with the numbers that they've been giving up to go into Oregon in a night game and with Oregon having so much to play for, um, I, I think Arizona kind of knows that it's just going to take a, a ridiculous effort and, and a lot of luck for Arizona to be able to win this game. Um, offensively, the guys seem to know that um, they're going to maybe they, they got to score early and often. I mean, it's the type of game where they have to score uh, almost on every drive to have a chance, probably, unless the defense shows up. But, um, you know, crazier things have happened. But I, it just it doesn't have the feeling of last year's game because there hasn't been that game where the defense stands out. They're not forcing turnovers, things like that. Uh, I think people at Tucson, at least, are kind of preparing uh, for, for kind of a, a blowout, basically. Is is like there's certain teams that can't get behind by two scores. They're just not built for it. Like Stanford this season. I don't think, you know, if, if you can get up on them by two scores, you know, you've you've put yourself in a prime position because they're just scheme, talent, whatever. They're not built to come from behind. Is Arizona in that way? Like, do you feel confident that hey, if they get down ten, they can get ten points back pretty quickly? I think the confidence is there on offense. I don't think it's there on defense. Like if Arizona gets 10, I don't know if there's confidence that, you know, hey, the defense needs to go out and get two consecutive stops. I think the offense believes that they can score. Um, they're confident in every game. They're clearly more confident than the defensive side of the ball. I just think that, you know, if Arizona gets down two touchdowns, um, we're all saying, well, where are the stops going to come from? Like maybe Arizona scores a little bit. And it happened in Hawaii, even though Oregon's obviously better than Hawaii in the first game. Um, Arizona was able to come back. But every time they kind of chipped away, the defense gave it right back up. And that was the game where Arizona, looking back, at, I mean, Arizona forced six turnovers in that game and lost. <laughs> because the defense just couldn't make any stops. So I do think that there's confidence in the offense. I just don't think anyone thinks the defense can make make enough stops to win this game. He is Jason Shear of uh, Wildcat Authority. Go read his work on the 24-7 Sports Network. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we get treated to some kind of interesting football game Saturday night. I hope so. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thanks to Jason Shear one more time of Wildcat Authority coming on. Uh, getting you up to date, up to speed on this Arizona football program. And um, just a, a wild year, Eric, for this Arizona team, in which I think there was probably a lot of optimism, a lot of hope that year two under Kevin Sumlin was going to turn into a season in which they were going to go bowling. They were going to make progress. And I don't know if they're going to get to there at that point. Um I can relate to what it's like covering a football team where in the month of November, you're going into some games, basically just wishing the season ends. And that, and that's, that's never fun because uh, as a fan, you hate it as a player, you hate it as a coach, you probably hate it. And as a media member, you hate it as well, because there's just so much, there's, there's a lack of interest in this, in, in, in that team. And for Arizona, it sounds like they're teetering on that point where, you know, the last couple games could get ugly if, if things don't, 
go well. And be, I think it'll say, tell a lot about someone and where he has this team in the locker room if, if they fight hard and continue to play, play tough down the stretch. It's always interesting doing these uh, conversations with the opposing team's beat writer because I always come in with like certain anticipation of kind of what's going on down there. And I'll be honest, I know Arizona hasn't played very well, but you know, the more you read about what they've got offensively, and, and we talked about the weird history of Oregon being ranked and playing Arizona. And I don't want to say I was thinking that Arizona might beat Oregon because we'll do our predictions on our next show. And, and I don't expect that'll be the case, but I was certainly like, maybe this game could be interesting, but after talking with Jason for a little bit, uh, I, I'm more and more confident that Oregon is, is going to win this one pretty handily. Just, just in terms of like, it does sound like there's a certain level of like resignation from the Arizona players. Maybe that's not fair, but the, the fan base at least is kind of like, uh, we're, we're not very good. We're probably going to get our butts kicked this weekend. And when that's the feeling, sometimes the opposite happens, but I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a certain sense of, uh, of like, we know we're not the better team and, and Oregon has so much more to play for Oregon has so much motivation. I mean, I think I'll put it this way. Like if Oregon had, if Oregon had beaten Arizona 44 to 15 last year, and this was a, re, uh, you know, a potential revenge game for Arizona, I'd feel differently. But the fact that Oregon got embarrassed by this Arizona team a year ago, yeah. I really just would be totally stunned if, if they don't come out wanting blood. Uh, I, I would really would be, if, if this is a game that is, is really competitive in the second half, I would be pretty surprised by that too. I, I you know, I think the line is now 27 and a half. Jeez. I'm kind of, I'm kind of going into this one going like, they might cover that. You know, as crazy as that sounds, 28 points feels like a, a lot, but Arizona team just isn't playing very well right now. And um, their defense is just awful. And with how good Oregon has been offensively in the last four or five games, how good they've been defensively really all year, I just would be really stunned if this game is, is particularly competitive in the second half. I think a big driving factor for me um, in this football game because I'm with you, I, I think they're going to win, and this just reassures that for me. Talking talking with Jason, but I think what really assures me of that happening is that this year Oregon seems to just have done a really good job of not looking ahead. They've, and they yeah. they've come out and they've admitted that they've done that previously. You know, especially last year. You know, guys talked about after they thought they beat Washington that they had arrived, and then they were delivered a a crushing blow at Washington state. And guys this week have said that, you know, that Washington state loss was a, you know, a, a gut punch to the program and to the psyche of the team. And Jordan Scott said they, they just hadn't recovered when they played Arizona from that Washington state game. And this group this year has been able to flush adversity pretty quickly. Uh, and at the same time, and maybe even more importantly, they've been able to get rid of and flush their accomplishments and get re- and get refocused on the current task at hand, and so I think that's where a lot of the confidence for me comes from. Is that we really haven't seen like a dud of a game this no. season f- f- from Oregon. Like they've they've come in pretty much sharp the entire time. Now they haven't had execution, you know, and they've, they've had some bad breaks and whatnot. But you know, Oregon's basically come into every game and, and has has executed well. I think that's where the the confidence for me comes from. The one game that maybe you could say they didn't come out great was the Cal game. Right. Um, and, that, and that was kind of a, a weird game in general. I mean, we should mention Cal's defense has shown throughout the season that they're, they're really good. I mean, what they did against Washington State last week, I know it was kind of quiet. And it was a game that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But, but Cal beating Washington State, holding them to, I think it was 20 points, that was super impressive. But 
my other thought is like the only way I see Oregon losing would be if they if they do come out and just have a total dud. And I think that's a really good point you just made about how that really hasn't been a thing that's happened all season. And I don't see them losing this game if they play even like a B plus a B a B game. You know what I mean? If they play like kind of like a if they play like their C or C minus game, maybe that opens the door to Arizona winning. But I really just feel like if Oregon comes out and is like particular is is adequately sharp, uh, is prepared. Uh, you know, is dialed in. I just don't see this game being one that you have to worry about late in the second half. Um, and, and honestly, like, I could see it being the most lopsided win of the season so far. I know that they beat Colorado, I mean, of conference play. They're not going to win 77-6 to six like they did over Nevada. <laughs> that would be... That would be a shocker. You, you, you'd have to, Matt, we'd have to write a story about that if I said something that stupid on a podcast. Like, I was, I thought they were going to be... Well, I hope that happens. I mean, I think it would be crazy if Oregon won by like 80 points on Saturday, but like, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a game where they win by, you know, 40 points, uh, just with kind of the general thing. I think the other thing that is interesting in terms of just talking with Jason was, was the talk about the quarterback position and and kind of how everyone's kind of like, let's just move on with, with Grant Gunnell. Like, he, he's the better quarterback. He's the better fit for the offense. Yeah. But uh, it, It's kind it, of weird it, to hear. Yeah, it really it really is because I kind of actually thought it might be the other way because I would have thought that 2017 season would have earned Khalil Tate so much goodwill. But I also understand um, when you have such high hopes and think so highly of a player and he just doesn't perform very well over two you know one and a half seasons or almost two full seasons now that wears on a fan base and and I know that you have a young quarterback who's playing at a high level and it really just makes more sense for the future of the program to go that direction. Now you can kind of shape the end of your season around the young quarterback, uh, build off of that, and hopefully open up the 2020 season uh, kind of on a better foot. That's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Hope you enjoyed this show. Next podcast comes Friday when Eric and I will give you our final preview. Uh, you could listen to it Friday afternoon, Friday morning, Friday night. You could listen to it Saturday morning. It could be your pregame show as you drive down from Portland or you drive across the mountains from Bend or you drive from Southern Oregon from the Medford area, uh, you know, make sure to, to listen to us. Uh, good stuff on that podcast coming as well. Uh, multiple thanks to Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority for coming on once again to give us a preview. Uh, Eric, you were good as always. Uh, I will give myself a mulligan, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Adios, amigos. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, I- Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.